So, Paul, in this uh, wonderful uh, passage where he asserts that God is for us, then says this, who is, to he, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. But what is this about intercession? Why does Jesus need to make intercession with us uh, before God? Is it that he has to convince God? We'll explore that. Colin Cook here and how it happens. Thank you for joining me today. You're listening to the good news of the gospel as described here in the book of Romans, a marvelous book that helps us to understand what God has done for us in Christ and how we then believe it, how we learn to believe it. This program is really about training your faith so that we can trust God when the chips are down, when everything's going wrong, when chaos is all about us, when disappointments strike us and sorrows and griefs. This is our God in this book described as the one who is for us. And we will look at that a bit more now. So anyway, thank you for joining me today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens, a broadcast on the good news, which you can hear on mon uh, between Monday and Friday at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. You can also hear it, though, any time of the day or night on your smartphone or other remote device, driving to work. You can listen, jogging in the park, all so you wouldn't want to do it right now, I suppose. But uh, you can do that by downloading a free app, SoundCloud or Podbean, or go directly to soundcloud.com slash faithquest, or go to pod, uh, faithquest.podbean.com. So here we are where, where Paul is persuading us, for he, for he has persuaded himself in the light of the uh, Old Testament scriptures and in the light of the atoning work of Christ on the cross, um, if God is for us, who can be against us? So then it says in this verse, who is he who condemns? For, uh, prior to that uh, verse, this verse, he says, it is God who justifies and I pointed out today, yesterday that God, our Father, is the one who declares us innocent before him. But then you have to say, well, why is an intercessor needed then? Who is he who condemns? In verse 34 it says, It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So Christ rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, and stands before the Father, interceding on our behalf. But what's that all about? Because you remember the other day I said that we have a childish notion that God is a harsh judge, and Jesus is a kind Savior, and Jesus, who is gentle and meek and humble, goes before the Father pleading his blood and pleading for the Father to accept us. That is a common notion, particularly popular in the, or common and rife in the 19th, the 20th century, the 1900s. And um, people uh, thought that way. 
But this cannot possibly be the interpretation that is in Scripture. It cannot possibly be that. How do I know? Well, I know by carefully reading these words of Paul. In verse 33, it says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It doesn't say it is Christ who justifies. It is God who justifies. And what does that mean? It means it is God who declares us innocent. We're not innocent, of course, but he treats us and counts us as if he were innocent, just as he did Abraham, as Abraham believed it was counted to him for righteousness. And that uh, example Paul takes from the Old Testament to illustrate how we are justified. Furthermore, it says in verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't say if Christ is for us, who can be against us? God the Father is for us. So God the Father is for us in verse 31, and God the Father justifies us in verse 33, so God does not have to be convinced by Jesus' intercession in verse 34. So then, what does it mean? Well, we all like a support, don't we? We all like to be defended. And Jesus Christ is our intercessor defending us before the Father. But you say, well, there you are, Colin. You've just point, made my point. Why would Jesus have, defend, have to defend us before the Father? As if the Father had to be convinced. No, you still haven't got it. If God is for us, and if Christ, if God has justified us, then God, Jesus, does not have to defend our case. He is defending our case in the presence of the Father, but not for the Father, but against Satan. You remember the illustration or the depiction of the whole scene, a scenario in the book of Job. Job um, comes, uh, Satan comes before the Father, before God. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And then Satan goes into a tirade accusing Job of all kinds of things, that he only serves God because God is protecting him and so on. So you get a picture there of Satan being the accuser. And then I remember we talked the other day about Zechariah chapter 3 where Joshua the high priest, not Joshua in the Old Testament, the one, the uh, prophet who followed Moses, but Joshua the high priest who, was, uh, re who had returned from the Babylonian captivity, he was appointed a priest and cleansed and so on. And Satan stands before him and accuses him. And God says, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, even the Lord most high rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the burning? Now, what's going on there? We have another picture of Satan accusing the people of God before God. And, of course, we see in the New Testament, especially in Ma uh, Matthew uh, and uh, the, one of the other Gospels, I've forgotten, I think it's Luke, isn't it? Yes, that Satan um, accuses Christ 
and seeks to bring him down. Why? Because he is going to be a future intercessor for the people of God. So, you see, Jesus is defending us before Satan in the presence of God. And God and Jesus, that is God the Father and God the Son, are our defenders. Now, don't ask me why all this should have to be as it is. I, <laughs> it is a mystery, I have to say. Why? What's going on in the eternal uh, history of things, in the eternal courts? Why is it that uh, all this um, tremendous controversy between good and evil has existed for these many thousand years? I don't know, but there are hints. And the hint, and the hint seems to be that the big issue is between God and Satan, between good and evil. And I won't say that we are pawns, but we are caught in the middle. And the issue seems to be that Satan has a controversy with God over the creation of human beings or over the fall of human beings or over the redemption of human beings. And God the Father, and God the Son, defend us. And let me remind you of that other verse. Uh, let me appoint uh, you to it right now. I mentioned it the other day, but it really is so good that it bears repeating. In, uh, Roman, in uh, uh, Daniel chapter 7, there's the depiction of the Antichrist, the little horn, making war upon God's people. In verse 13, it says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, that's Jesus Christ, not coming the second time, but coming to the Father. He came to the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and brought, and they brought him near before him. Then to him, that is to the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So this kingdom and all authority is given to the Son of Man. But Daniel's looking on and can't figure this out and doesn't understand it and asks the angel Gabriel what it all means. We won't go through all the details of that except to say this. In verse 21, it says, the, uh, Gabriel says, I was, uh, Daniel says, I was watching and the same horn was making war with the saints, that's the Antichrist, and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came, that is God seated in the judgment throne, and a judgment was made for the saints. Now, in your King James Version, it says judgment was given to the saints. But the two there, the preposition two, is a mistake. It should be the preposition, it is the preposition in Hebrew, the preposition for, which is on behalf of, in favor of the saints. So the Ancient of Days comes in judgment, God the Father, and he makes a verdict in favor of God's people, in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time then came for the saints to possess the kingdom, and that's why Jesus received the kingdom on behalf of the saints. Now, this is just wonderful beyond words. God the Father is the judge in the presence of Jesus, his Son, 
who is interceding for the people of God in front of Satan, who is accusing us, and Jesus, by his righteousness, standing in for all humanity and being raised from the dead on their behalf, defends humanity in that humanity will be taken up into Christ's righteousness and into his resurrection, and so the new humanity which Christ will produce in all human beings is defended by Christ in the presence of the Father against Satan. That's what's going on. And now let's come to the practical issue here. Do you sense God defending you? Well, you say, no, I don't. I have so much trouble in my life. Everything's going wrong. It seems that God's poking his finger in my chest and saying, what's wrong with you? No, he isn't. Satan may be doing that, but by the authority that you have in Jesus Christ, who defends you before Satan and in the presence of the Father, you may say, you have no authority, Satan, to accuse me. I am counted as righteous in the righteousness of Christ, and in him I stand freed from judgment. This is the beauty of the gospel. Now, do you see how faith works against the inclinations of the mind? Faith works against the accusations of the mind. Don't confuse your faith with your thinking. Thank you for listening today. And I want to say thank you for listening because you allow me to teach the gospel to you and preach it. And that blesses my heart and soul too, because I am inspired by the words that I pass on to you. They remind me of the goodness and the mercy of God to all of us. If you would like to help the program to keep going, it's in its 25th year now, please send your donations to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. And thank you for your little notes that you send. They're very encouraging to me. I assure you. And if you would like to make your donation rather online, then do so at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. Thank you so much then for all your support. I appreciate it. And I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.